On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we recap Vanderbilt's 75-74 victory on the road at Bud Walton Arena in Fayetteville, Arkansas, over Eric Musselman and the Razorbacks. Miles Studi came up big with a game-winning block. You had a big shot there at the end with Chapman, and all of this was done in the last minute or so without Scottie Pippen. He uh, fouled out, So, but Vanderbilt gets the win 75-74. Will and I have immediate recap reaction from this one. About 20 minutes after this game ended, Will and I got on the microphones and recorded. So coming up next here on the Door Report, full reaction and recap from Vanderbilt's 75-74 victory over Arkansas. Up next for the Commodores, Saturday at home against South Carolina at Memorial Gym. We've got all that and much more coming right up here on the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Let's ride. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state. And West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation, anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it, we're all just trying to make it. In this crazy Welcome into the Door Report. It is episode 135. It is January 4th, going on January 5th, a late night episode. We love these here on the Door Report. 2022. How about uh, the start to 2022 for uh, Vanderbilt men's basketball? We are powered by Laco Finewood Floors and Will. What a night. Vanderbilt ends up beating Arkansas 75-74, courtesy of Miles Studi's game-winning block, who just came out of nowhere uh, to, to stuff that one. It was just a gutsy win. And this is the type of game that two years ago, a year ago, Vanderbilt does not get this win. I don't care what you say, but starting off the season in SEC play at Bud Walton Arena and getting a win like this, man, I think that says something about these guys. Am I wrong? A gutsy, gritty, you know, grinding it out win, shorthanded. Uh, undermanned, underdog, everything you can describe, that's what this win was. All With that being how good of a win it is, how incredible of a job it was by Stack, some of the X's and O's things he did to utilize the players in effective ways, even with guys like Jermaine Mann and Dorsey out that have been key yeah. contributors early in the season. They tried everything they could possibly do to give that <laughs> give that game away at the end, and it just it just felt like every single step of the way it was like okay, we're just we we all know how this ends. We all know that it's going to find some new gut wrenching way for Arkansas to bury a shot at the end or win at the end on some some type of something happening, and it just thankfully at the end. I don't know if I could have handled that. So thank you. Thank you, basketball gods, for at least blessing me with one win this SEC basketball season. Because, Billy, we know that not uh, not too long ago, we know what it feels like to go through a whole SEC basketball yes, season without do. one of those. So, uh, so I'm much more appreciative of these wins now than I was 
before got, three years got ago. him out the mud that's basically what yeah, uh, out, out the mud and well the basketball <laughs> gods were with this team tonight and arkansas they had plenty of opportunities to to get this win i think they missed two threes late with like under 20 seconds to to either tie or take the lead and that 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 three attempt at the end would have won it they had two three it attempts. almost felt like finally the law of averages kind of evened out because they shot 62 and a half percent from the field in the first half and you're like, okay maybe some of these contested shots aren't going to fall because we'll get into it when we actually go into the breakdown of the game. But man, a lot of those shots they were hitting were contested, good defense, just right. guys hitting shots. And, yeah. and they had one player in particular that was absolutely unconscious. Yeah. And Moutier, I think I heard that name 8,000 times over the PA announcer. I, that, I want, that, yeah, I wanted you to say the name. Cause I was, I could not remember, even though I heard him say it over and over <laughs> how to pronounce it. Yeah. Well, I thought it was Moutier, but it's pronounced the way it looks on the back of his Jersey. It doesn't look like the way it's pronounced, but well, we're going to, we're going to get to a lot. We're going to get to the stats, the recaps, and, and we're just going to kind of go off the cuff our immediate reaction to this game. But before we get to that recap, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at door underscore report and Instagram door dot report. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and a review on iTunes. All right, let's get to this Arkansas recap. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flowing job to a Laco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well, and you know, we we said it at the top. This is a statement win and and we could go around and around and several different guys stepped up. I think that's what hits me in this one. It wasn't necessarily one guy that went out and won this game. I think you could argue Miles Tootie uh, there with the block won the game. But, I mean, Pippen, countless different jump shots there at the end. Of course, he had his fifth foul that, that we'll, we'll get to. Uh, but Chapman just playing solid defense, and, and his presence on the floor uh, made an impact. Trey Thomas, the love-hate relationship continues. He hit a lot. He hit five big threes, and it seemed like all the threes he hit we're in huge spots where Vanderbilt needed them. So we'll get to that, that uh, embrace debate with, uh, with Trey <laughs> Thomas, but, and will QMB continues to slowly improve. So, Will, I would have never have thought this team would have been able to get this win with the three guys that were out. Now, the three guys that were out, they were low in the depth chart, but there's their depth. I mean, for a game like this to get this win, I would have thought they needed that depth. Turns out this team is, is just gutsy. They're, they're feisty, they're gritty, and, and they're a defensive-centered basketball team. I think that's what we realize. When this team, Will, is, is, is scoring off of defense – that's when they're at their best. And, you know, we've seen when they're at their worst, that's when they get stagnated and, and Pippen's not on the floor. Who do you go to? So, Will, I think what I learned in, the, in, in this game is that the defense is legit. I think at the beginning of the season, we saw them play against weaker opponents and, and the defense played well. But, Will, this is a legit defense. I think they're going to give some fits to some of these SEC teams. Yeah, the defense is legit. Also, one thing, Vanderbilt has gone on a great stretch here against Austin P, who is obviously a little bit lesser competition. 
And then you have Hawaii where they won, BYU where they won, obviously, mm -hmm. out there in the Diamond Head Classic. And then the Stanford uh, Championship game, won. which was canceled, which they technically won. And then you have Arkansas. And one thing in particular with these games, and this is going to be, it's so weird to say this because we're, we watch Vanderbilt and we see what they do <laughs> on the football field and the basketball court in recent years. This team is starting fast. And that's what yeah. they did again tonight. They got up five to nothing. Studi knocked down the first three of the game, his first three of the game. Um, and they were at 5-0 in Arkansas to burn a timeout a minute 12 into the yep. game. Arkansas immediately came back, made a run, tied it up, and actually took the lead. But the point is, you didn't get in that five to nothing hole. You didn't get in the seven to two hole. You didn't get down 10 to two early and then have to be fighting your way back. You jumped out, kind of established and, and put your footprint on this game. And then that allows you to do what Vanderbilt has done, which is, according to Ken Palm, be 21st in the country in turnover rate um, forced by that defense. It allows you to kind of settle down. So that's something to see if they can continue is even in these SEC games, they don't necessarily pull out at the end. Are they able to start fast and that allow them to keep these games competitive and tight, even when they don't necessarily fall their way in the win column? Yeah. Not only did they start fast, Will, they, they finished down the stretch and it was, it was a, it was a nail biter. Kinda. There. It's, it's a kind of finished. I mean, they, they did literally finish, but boy, I, like you said, they, they did everything. They, they did everything uh, seemingly to for classic, across the finish yeah, line. I think maybe the best. Way. Yeah. The classic Vandy letdown seemed like it was going to happen. And it almost the gut. I think a lot of Vandy fans were just preparing themselves for another gut wrenching loss, but no. And, and Stackhouse and, and his guys find a way to get this win. Will right now they're a one of five undefeated teams in sec play four of those teams are one and oh uh the top team i think is two and oh i think that's auburn if i'm not mistaken and uh will a crazy stat here i don't, I don't know if you saw this i forget who tweeted it but vanderbilt is above 500 in the sec for the first time since finishing the 2017 season at 10 and 8 and that wow. that was mind-boggling for me to look at and and i mean they're one and oh but still the, that, they haven't been above 500 since 2017 and the, the way they ended that season. So, well, Scotty Pippen Jr., again, 22 points, 9 of 12 from the free throw line. Uh, he, I mean, three missed free throws, it's not going to cost you usually. Uh, almost did. <laughs> Trey Thomas, 15 points. He hit five threes. Jordan Wright, 12.6 rebounds and one huge. Uh, not That was actually Miles Studi who had the big block, but Jordan Wright, 12 points. Roddy Chapman, 11 points. And, and Will, I think looking at this game, statistically they, they were 10 for 25 from three 40 percent I think they, they know they can shoot a little bit better than that but typically when this team shoots 40 percent at least from three they're going to be in games now unless they have you know 20 25 turnovers but when this team I was talking to you know the people I was watching the game with and, and I said look if they shoot the ball at least 40 percent and get up into that maybe 50 percent range they're going to be in it and they're going to win a lot of those games and that's most teams but with this team they have to hit those open shots and a lot of they had a lot of good open looks will a lot of those threes were wide open looks they had some good layup looks and this Arkansas team is they're probably middle of the pack will you know I mean they're they're typically a real I mean at least the past three years uh, under uh, a muscleman they're they're a really good SEC team but they didn't seem like uh, now I, I'm not discrediting Vanderbilt but they didn't seem like the normal Arkansas team of the past two or three years I'm not discrediting the win at all um, but well, it's just crazy to me that there, the amount of fouls in this game and Vanderbilt was able to 47 fouls total, just a sloppy, sloppy game. Um, it was one of those games you just kind of you categorize it in the drunk category. I mean, it, it was just it was crazy. So, well, I think the, Vanderbilt to able to bounce back from all that adversity that they've hit adversity at the beginning of the season. And I think you're seeing the mental toughness of this team. You know, you're, you're starting to see the makeup and the identity 
of this team. I mean, the, it, the, this team's identity is they're a tough defensive team, and if they can make shots, they'll probably win a lot of those games. Yeah, you've got my mind in a million different places right now <laughs> with what you just talked about, Billy. It's way too late after way too long of a We're day. We're going every different but direction. <laughs> the, fir- the one thing that I know I want to say before I go off on whatever tangent our mind takes us here late, uh, hitting around 11 p.m. here on a Tuesday night, um, the fouls. Those ref- the referee crew, for the most part, I didn't think was that awful. They called yeah, they called they it a little touchy. Even. They were they were even, but it was the reaction of the Arkansas fans. Now I say that there were some missed calls by the referees. I, there were some weird situations, like they looked like they reversed a foul almost, or retroactively yeah. came yeah. back, or, or reversed which direction on that Jordan Wright fell late. Were so blatantly that, obvious. And, yes, and, and, and some missed them. weird stuff, like where the ball clearly was going off one or the other team. But yeah. it was bad on both sides. Yeah. But the Arkansas fans booing and Musselman. Vanderbilt had 26 team fouls with the style of play that they have. Arkansas had 21 team fouls. Mm -hmm. Vanderbilt was getting shafted way more on calls than Arkansas was. I understand booing. I understand booing questionable calls. I understand booing calls that are 70% in the favor of the opponent. The only thing that gets me infuriated is coaches arguing calls and crowds booing so aggressively at calls that are just so obvious. Like when I see like, like Pippen's back tap foul, Pippen's back tap foul that fouled him out of the game, the fifth foul, Arkansas would have booed that foul to the high heavens yep. in that arena. I sat on my couch and said, that was so stupid and such an obvious foul. There were multiple times, so many times that happened and it almost happened late that the referees almost gave in. Yeah. So I'm very happy they didn't. Arkansas plays this style of defense, which is another thing I Havoc. wanted to get to. They foul the entire length of the court mm-hmm. and then go insane when it's called 10 seconds late, when they've been fouling for 10 seconds. It's like, and referees won't do it. It's every level. They won't do what I always say is if you are body checking and hinge, I will foul out your entire team until you stop doing it in the first 10 minutes of this game, until you stop fouling. You cannot hand check. You can't ride the ball handler the entire length of the court. You can't hold coming off of screens. You can't hip check off of screens constantly and hold the ball handler's hip. That's why Pippen had so many turnovers. He had seven turnovers because he was getting the shit fouled out of him coming off of every single screen and just constant. And the moment that they called it, Musselman erupted on the sideline. Yeah. He was he lucky that he was he was lucky that he was in Arkansas or he would have been ejected by the beginning of that second half. Yeah. That if he game, was it if he was in Memorial, no way that he's he gone. makes it throughout that game. He's gone. And well the, the thing Chris likes it, it, late there at Garden Chapman, he was I think he fouled him for a legit like eight seconds. And they didn't call it. It was the entire time. And then, the and then entire he got possession. the steal. Uh, it was just crazy. I will I, I will say I mean it was pretty evenly called game. But at the same time, there were some poorly blatant, called on there were sides. some there were some blatantly missed calls like where Arkansas would step out of bounds. There should have been three seconds left before the end of the half. Uh, but just a beautifully drawn up play there by Stackhouse. Beautiful pass from Tyron Lawrence to, to Scottie Pippen. And well, I think Nat, not I mean, we, we know what Stackhouse is play calling. We know he draws up. Well, it was also really don't nice forget. Plays. Don't forget about the press break out of the timeout that he drew up to Pippen beautiful. where Studi executed on the pass perfectly. That was still an incredible call from Stackhouse. He outcoached Musselman. When you compare that last shot, Arkansas got down one, not going to the basket at all with a full Mm -hmm. 1.1 with how the referees had been calling the game. Stackhouse outcoached Musselman 
by 10 times I agree. this game. I agree. And that was the difference. That was the difference in one point was the difference in this yep. game. And Stackhouse on two to three different times, the out-of-bounds play on the sideline was the one specific time. But there was one that he drew up where it kind of had Trey Thomas cutting cutting back door, and Trey Thomas missed about a three-foot gimme mm-hmm. um, after going five for seven from three. So uh, make yeah. that make sense to me. But <laughs> that was another good offensive play and offensive design from Stackhouse because he knew that they weren't going to be worried about accounting for him in the post. Now, it didn't work. Work. But that's another thing that is just mm-hmm. the little things that I'm seeing improvement from Stackhouse, yeah. just as just as much as we're seeing improvement from this team actually I, being able to to build off of wins. Now, I was just about to say what you just said. We talk about players improvement all the time mm-hmm. and players making jumps, but well, Stackhouse has really improved as a coach in yes. learning how to win games and and interacting with his players and 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 just the the way he coaches games. And you know, we saw a lot of times end of games with Kevin Stallings where he's just savvy. He, he out coaches at the other coach. The Joakim, this is a little bit off topic, but it's late. So we can bring it up. Yeah. The Joakim Noah, classic, uh, Kevin classic. Stallings back and forth. Yep. I mean, that that's what made Kevin Stallings famous. So, yep. that, so I mean, Kevin he Stallings, would, you're finally getting a little bit where Stackhouse's stuff, like the suits are awesome. All that stuff is great. All the, all the barbecue and the antics. Once he starts winning, that stuff is going to be way better because it's going to become more of a beloved thing as opposed to there's a 50-50 split. Right. And I know we sound like glowing and just, but you got to keep in mind how bad this team has been for the last three seasons. I mean, this is like the football team coming out next year and starting out three and one. So if man can come back from injury here and you can actually bring back to full strength. I think, who was it? Was it Dorsey that was in COVID protocol? Or, uh, or one I, of them was COVID? One of them, and, one of them, yeah. And I, one I of them was one. an actual injury, him or Dizoni, and then Man, you mentioned, had, had injured his knee in the mm-hmm. in the pre-game yeah. warm-ups there yeah. prior. So hopefully they can get Man back, because right now that's the problem, is QMB has no backup. And there has been some complaints I've seen on Twitter or whatever with Frank, Taryn Frank's role. And it's like he's the only other guy on the roster right now yeah. above six six. And the guy that's six six, the guy that's six six is Jermaine Mann, who's out. Taryn Frank is out there out of complete necessity mm-hmm. until they can get healthy. Yeah. Uh, but Stackhouse's rotation, I think, has improved a little bit. I think I've, we're going to touch on it eventually. But yeah. Trey Thomas, I can see some of the things now. He has to string some of these games together, Billy. I know that's been a hot topic of conversation in our adorable message. Yeah, I know we've. I mean, we've we've gone after each other for this one, and and reasonably so. I mean. Well, it's it's such a love hate relationship. Like mm-hmm. my my view, the way I view Trey Thomas is so bipolar. It's unreal. Like I like the guy will will make a couple of turnovers, and it seems like he's costing Vandy like four or six points, and then he'll come down and nail two threes, and you're like, well, we can't take him off the floor. Like that. That's, well, he's that's the he's way. streaky in like every aspect of his game, almost. Like he'll yeah. have like a three minute stretch where it's not just he's not shooting well or have a game. He'll also make like two bad passes and get yeah. beat on defense, and then he'll have a stretch where he'll poke the ball away on defense and make two great <laughs> passes. And you're like, can you, if you could just string this together and just turn those yeah. bad moments, like the step back air ball three that he had, mm-hmm. if he could just not take that <laughs> shot, and if he could just not have some of those passes to Quentin Moore Brown that set him up in a mm-hmm. really bad spot. Because he's throwing these passes like the guy's not anticipating that. He gets right. stuck. He picks up the dribble too quickly. And this yeah. is where I am with him, Billy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry I kind of cut you off. Keep going. But I, w- with Trey Thomas, I, he needs to be on the court because this team doesn't have any shooters. He has to, but not at the point guard position. He gets himself in really bad spots. And the problem is when you don't play him at the point guard position, 
He's like 5'9", 5'10", and he weighs 160 pounds. Mm. So then you create matchup nightmares on defense. And this mm. team has kind of kind of minimized the effect of that by playing mm. a lot of matchup zone and a lot of switching and yeah. a lot of help side. So it hasn't shown through as much, but it creates a real a real lack of different things you can do on defense just because he's so much smaller and he's just going to create these iso matchups one-on-one they're going to try to isolate him no matter what he does because they know that a guy that's six three six four is going to be able to get a shot there at the end of the shot clock i mean if you're coach stackhouse and and trying to you know all right do i do i how much should i have this guy on the floor if he's gonna hit five threes 15 points you know if he's gonna do that That that's a bit that that's that's been a big if that's been the problem you know with, with trey thomas but at the same time, I think I would take 15 points and however many turnovers he had any day of the week. <laughs> that, you know? That's the, but, that's right there, Billy. That's the problem is yeah. if he did this big game if. in, game out, this wouldn't be a question. Exactly. But it's not been. It's been one out of every yeah. four or five games. Yeah. No, you're right. And, and, you know, if he can do this, he's going to be on the floor. He has to be on the floor. Um, but, Will, another thing I want to get to is this is really specific, and we have a lot more things to get to. But, Will, I know you noticed it uh, because a lot of times we're on the same wavelength. We're, we're thinking the same way. So there's been, there were a lot of plays in that game and even throughout the season where Scottie Pippen would come off a ball screen or Rodney Chapman, one of those two guys, Pippen and Chapman come off a ball screen. And whether it's Quint Malore Brown or Miles Studi or wh- whoever's setting the screen, they penetrate and they don't have an open shot, but they try to squeeze it into a hole somehow to Malora Brown or Taryn Frank. And it's almost always resulted in a turnover. It hasn't really ever resulted in a, a, a productive bucket or a wide open bucket. Like their screen and roll game with the roll guy has not been effective at all. They don't have that pick and pop type of shooter, like a Luke Cornett type of guy that they can dish it out to. They don't really have anyone that can pick and roll and score off of it. You know, I mean, they, well, they really don't. So I will. I mean, are you on the same wavelength as me? Like Pippen, I know he penetrates and he may get double teamed after that. But, you know, I, that's what something I've seen, and, and any, every time I've seen it, it hasn't really worked. It's either resulted in a turnover or a missed shot or a pass outside, and then they reset. So that's been something I've seen just within the offense. And every now and then you'll see a kick out. But I've noticed that, Will, and they just get kind of stuck, and they try to force a pass in there. Yeah, this is the only problem with the instant reactions. We remember a lot of the specifics from the game, but you don't get to go back and watch anything because yeah. that's another thing that I've kind of thought of all seasons. The pick and roll game just hasn't seemed to be effective. And why is that? Because you have a point guard in Pippen that should be incredible at the pick and roll because he's going to attract the defense towards him. He can shoot, he can drive, he can finish. But that backside help, I think more yeah. than anything, there's two things. Number one, this is just me my assumptions i don't know what's actually going on between the players it could just be a timing issue but malora brown's not exactly a score finisher great pick and roll guy he's a big body he's played really well rebounded really well defended well but he's not a great offensive player i don't think he would say he's a great offensive player Mm -hmm. so that's not really his game and that's a tough catch rolling and trying to immediately go up and finish in the paint in a bunch of contact in a bunch of bodies number two is we've talked about the shooting inconsistency and we've talked about the woes of that consistency. I don't think teams are forced to, to keep their help out a little more extended for fear of Pippen kicking it out to someone for three because they just think we can get a late contest out. This team's not shooting well. That's better off. So the, the paint is more clogged up. And yeah. I think that's why Trey Thomas has been playing so much because teams, even though he hasn't shot great Spreads this season, floor. do respect that, even though at times I think he does clog up the floor um, <laughs> in, the sa- in the same capacity because he has no 
fear the defense has no fear of him driving towards the basket on the other side he is a consistent shooter and teams respect that on the scouting report same thing with what i think studi has developed into and that's really it because jordan wright has his shooting has gotten really it's, bad recently he's yeah. in a real shooting slump he's gonna have to get out of that he missed some some shots and some key moments that i mm -hmm. think he we expect him to hit and he yeah. expects to hit and we hope to see him get out of this slump but and get back to that form he was in the beginning of the season but that's the two things right now is teams are not forced to leave their help out kind of with one step one foot in the paint they're getting their head fully under the rim because they don't have to really worry about just coming out with the late contest because they don't have a Riley LeChance sitting yeah. on the other side of the court. Yeah. They don't have, I'm not even talking a John Jenkins. They don't have really anyone that plays super knockdown. consistent yeah. minutes that's a knockdown shooter. And I don't yeah. even know if they have anybody on the roster besides yeah. Drew Weichert that yeah. I would consider a knockdown shooter. Yeah. I mean, maybe Miles Studi. He's but, getting there, yeah, but he's, he's inconsistent. There. Well, hear me out on this. This is going a little bit further, but Rodney Chapman, I really think he's made a big difference. Um, and I didn't oh, yeah. think I, I, you know, when he came back, he came back against Austin P and, and, you know, we didn't see, we didn't necessarily see the difference he made, but slowly in that Hawaii game, I saw the difference he made in the BYU game, saw the difference, just his presence. It's amazing. What one guy, one veteran and, and just tough, gritty guy that has played college basketball for a while at a competitive level can do for a team that needs that. And, you know, he, he's probably averaged, what, seven, eight points, maybe nine points in these first three or four games. But his, his presence on the floor has made a massive impact. And I think, Will, he's been – we talk about X factors. He might have shifted my role now from Studi now to Chapman because Chapman, he has – he's spread the floor. We talk about spreading the floor. I think he has taken a, a, a defender or two off of Pippen because now you got Chapman, and he hit a huge three, Will. Mm -hmm. that, that three was massive. I mean, and, and he wasn't known as a knockdown shooter. I don't even think we talked about him being a shooting weapon, but Rondi Chapman is gritty, and I think he's, he's a winner. I mean, he, I think I'm not going to say he won that game. It was him, Studi, Pippen. Everybody won that game. It took everyone. But I think he's the kind of guy, uh, the few winning plays he made made a huge impact. And boy, did Vandy miss that. I mean, they missed that type of guy like Chapman to come in there and just make veteran plays. And you've seen plays like that from Pippen. You've seen plays like that from Studi occasionally. But Chapman, I think, is arguably the most consistent player on this team where he's going to play tough defense. He'll rebound. He'll dish. He'll make smart plays. And he's tough. I mean, you saw him get in there. He guarded post players. He, I mean, he, he's a he's a versatile defender. And boy, did Vandy need that at, at a huge time. Yeah, you never know who it's going to be, and it can yeah. be any position. But you have a guy that does all the dirty work that doesn't show up in the box score. The guy that brings the ball up as the backup point guard, or he is the backup post guy that comes in and just bodies up on the and bangs mm -hmm. around on the inside. Doesn't necessarily. That is what Chapman is in the guard version. Is is yeah. he brings the ball up? He allows Pippen to rest off of the ball. And in a game like Arkansas, where you really have somebody in Chapman that if he's on the court, he had some foul trouble. But if he's out there. You feel more comfortable, even though he had that turnover at the end, he was getting fouled. But you feel more comfortable in a regular time in the game with him bringing the ball up than yes. you do Tyron Lawrence or Trey Thomas mm -hmm. or Peyton Daniels before he transferred. So that is that is what it. That's what I was so excited about. Is yeah. it's going to allow Stackhouse to open up this offense because now Pippen he doesn't just have to play the one. He yeah. can be out on the court and play the two or the three in this offense. And so the defense can account for him as easily, and they have mm -hmm. to keep an eye on him off the ball, which just opens yeah. up everything so much more for everyone else, which is another thing that has allowed Studi and Trey Thomas to kind of pick up their shooting a little bit. 
but Chapman was not a shooter coming no, in at, no. at Chattanooga, at UTC, or at Dayton. Mm-hmm. Um, his his three point percentages uh, going through his career, I just looked them up, were thirty three percent his sophomore year at UTC, twenty five percent his freshman year at UTC, thirty six percent his junior year at Dayton, twenty two percent in twenty 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 one, and he's only hitting about one and a half a game. Uh-huh. So if he can do what he did and hit two threes a game, contribute a few more points, I don't think that's offensive production that necessarily we anticipated. And that is something, found offense, found points. And those points are not easy to find at times for Vanderbilt. So 11 points from Chapman and two of three from three, you're going to be in a really good position to win games if you're getting 11 from him. It feels like he's the kind of guy that will make any winning play. And any winning play when it matters, if he has to hit a three, if he has to take a charge, if he has to go tap a ball out, he'll do it. And, and Will, he's been a huge player, but also – my X factor, I might have switched it to Chapman. I mean, that's going to be changing all year. But Miles Studi is a winner, and he has made the biggest jump from last year to this year. I really think he has. And the way the areas he's made the jump have been very important. He's gotten more physical. He's, he's become a better mm. shooter. He has become – he's tough. He's gritty. There's grit to this team. And there's, some, there's a toughness element to this team that I think is – we talked about shooting being a lost art. I think that sense of toughness and having a winning mentality is slowly becoming more of a lost art. You know, I mean, there's young guys at a lot of these teams that may not know how to win. Now Vandy's got an experienced student. they got an experienced Chapman who know how to win. And I think Chapman has rubbed off on these guys. I mean, Studi, some of the emotion he was showing at the end of the game, I saw a replay. I don't know if you caught this, Will, but he looked back at the ref and just straight up said, that was bullshit. And, yep. you know, it's stuff it was like actually, that. Actually, my roommate was sitting in the room. I didn't notice that, but he pointed it out and left. So I didn't even <laughs> know what player it was. So I know exactly when you're talking about Yeah, that. I mean, it's just stuff like that, that, you know, he could get a tech if he's a little bit closer <laughs> to the ref. But Whatever. it's stuff like that, that emotion and that, that raw emotion in the heat of the moment in the heat of the game that this team is slowly starting to find ways to win games in a tough atmosphere. Will I mean, that that's a tough place to play no matter how good Arkansas is. And that doesn't usually happen. We talked about it. The, the last time Vandy beat Arkansas was 2017 it, with Riley, LaChance, I think Joe toy, Nolan Kressler was on that team, a decent team, but, yeah, but it's always tough. It's always been tough and will. And so to, to get that win on the road, I think Studi was a huge part of that. And that block, that's another winning play. We didn't see winning plays last year. Studi didn't have the best shooting night. He was two of eight. Both of his makes, I believe, from three were were in the first half. But he contributed things that weren't in the box where he had some big rebounds at different points. He had a big offensive rebound. But we've talked about a lot of players here, and I know we've kind of taken it for granted because we're seeing it night in, night out, and it's expected. But Scottie Pippen Jr. was great again. He He had seven turnovers, but – those seven turnovers I'll weren't necessarily – he's going to have a lot of turnovers just because of how much you're utilizing him. Exactly. And that's and that's as simple – if you're going to make a guy make every single play when the shot clock is expiring, he's going to have turnovers. Arkansas is a pretty good defensive team, and granted, he didn't have his best game either. He, you want to see those down around four. If he could have around mm-hmm. four turnovers again, it's not great. It's not going to look good for NBA scouts, but that's about where, where I think most Vanderbilt yeah. fans can live with. But he made some plays outside of that last back tap that he had at the end in the missed dunk. Those were two very stupid fouls that fouled him out of the game. Yes, they he, were. He compounded the problem by missing that dunk <laughs> and then getting a stupid foul to pick up his fourth and then randomly back tapping in a four-point game for no reason with four fouls. And that was just stupid. You cannot yep. do that. He's smarter than that. 
Scott, uh, old Scotty Pippen Sr. better get on him about that because yeah. that was just stupid. Yep. And I think he knows that. I don't think he'll yep. make that mistake again. You make that mistake once, and I think he'll be very conscious of where his fouls are. But I wanted to point out one thing that Pippen played 35 minutes. And so he was only out for five minutes of that game, and that includes the last minute, technically, that he was fouled out of the game where yeah, they almost blew the lead. That's crazy. In so it, take out that minute. He basically set out for four minutes, and most of that stretch wow. was at the 13-23 mark in the first half. And this is what concerns me just a little bit, even coming off this win because we've been all positive, is he came out at the 13-23 mark in that first half, and I believe Vanderbilt was leading 15-12, to 12, and, they were, and they had the ball. There was just a foul in Arkansas. Arkansas then, I believe, took the lead 21 to 19 by the time Pippen came back yeah. in. And that was just after three and a half minutes. Uh -huh. So at three and a half minutes, that momentum completely swung, even though I don't think me or you thought that team played horrible with Pippen off the court during no. that stretch. They still gave up the lead. They were still minus, uh, I believe, eight during yeah. that stretch. Or no, three points minus five. So yeah. terrible math there. Yeah. A little late, <laughs> but terrible math. But minus five with him off the court in three and a half minutes. And other than that, the team it was probably, what, minus three in that last minute stretch. Without him, they lose this game by six, seven points just in those. It, it's crazy to think just about the impact yep. and just how much he calms that team down. I'm sorry. I wish I had this more written out. Usually no. I like to do all this before and I'm doing live math. But the way he calms them down and allows them to get in their offense, it's not just the scoring. It's more. It's like everything revolves around him, and when he yep. goes out, there's just not a guy that's stepping in and filling yep. that role yet. And I don't know if there's really a guy on the team, if Jordan Wright continues to shoot the way he is, that's going to be able to fill that role. Yeah, they don't have another. They don't have another playmaker like Scotty, and most other teams. Don't. I mean, you're not going to have a playmaker like Scotty, but I'm just saying another guy like on the great Vanderbilt teams. I don't want to compare them to them, but you had John Jenkins and you had Jeffrey Taylor. Those yeah. are you had two bucket getters yeah. and then you also had Lachance and Festus Azili and Goldborn, but you had two guys that you felt good running the entire offense through yeah. them. And even the mediocre teams in the past, you had Wade Baldwin. Yeah. Who you felt comfortable. And then right to now, an extent, Jordan you had Wright. Damian Jones and Luke Cornett. Yeah. So that's, they just don't have anybody yeah. that you're like, okay, Pippen's out. We can shift the focus to him. That's yeah. where, and even with Robbins back, I don't know yeah. if they have that. Jordan Wright needs to step up. He, yes. he, he needs to step up and he can become that guy. He is that guy. You know, he is. And Rodney Chapman. It's, there for, it's his for the taking. Yeah. If Rodney Chapman hadn't have played as well as he did tonight, I don't think Vanderbilt wins that game. I mean, there's there's several guys where if they don't do their part, Vandy doesn't win that game. And, Will, Coach Bargatze, when we had him on, he said the same exact thing as you did. Uh, when Pippen's out, this is a very, very different team. And that's that's common sense. But it, it is crazy. If this team can just buy time and fight and scrap and claw without Pippen, they'll be fine. Now, being fine, what does that mean? Does that mean beating Tennessee, Kentucky, the the good teams? Probably not. But I think that puts them over the edge of playing in that first Wednesday night game. I mean, I think they'll be, they'll finish in that middle of the pack. Um, but will it, it's it, it's crazy this this team was able to get the win tonight. It really is. I mean, looking back at the way that game was, it just felt like a classic Vanderbilt collapse at the end, and and it didn't happen. So, will I want to ask you? I want to pose the question of. Vanderbilt fans and the way they perceive this team, it hasn't been good. It hasn't been really good at all. And in, in any points they you saw three, six wins combined in the past two years. Um, so what does this do? Will? Well, I mean, again, we may be overreacting. I don't think it does 
Now, I don't think it does a whole lot nationally. I don't think it ever will until he rings off wins against Tennessee, Kentucky, uh, those, those top teams, Auburn. But this win at Arkansas, I think locally, regionally, I think that that brings maybe – I'm not going to put a number on it. I think that brings a few more people to Memorial Gym on Saturday against South Carolina. I, I, I do. I mean, but, but Vanderbilt fans are, are like that. that. You know, say they get a, they get a win, they, they want to reward that team. I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying it's leaps and bounds. This is going to change the perception. But they got to string together wins. This can't be a one-trick pony where they get this win and, you know, then they go reel off three straight losses and then they try to do it again. You know, I, I think I'm just wondering what has to happen for, for Vanderbilt fans to shift for their, their perception to, to not, maybe not fully shift, but say, hey, let's go to the game. Let's go see Vanderbilt play Memorial Gym. What has to happen? It's very simple. It's what I've always said. Facilities, everything. It's whatever. It's like field of dreams. You build it and they will come. If you win, they will come. If Vanderbilt reels off three straight, three more straight SEC victories and they're four and zero or whatever it is when their next home game happens, I don't have the schedule in front of me. South Carolina. That at home that, that play. Well, if they win the next three games, yeah. the next home game after that will be packed. Okay. It will have at least 10, 12,000 out of the 15,000 seats in their full. There will be a ton of people, awesome environment. If they lose the next three games or if they lose the next two games, that place is going to be dead and you're going to have 4,000 people. That is just the nature of where they are right now. In years past, that's not the case. If you're coming off a tournament season or right on the bubble NIT birth season, that's not the case. But you've had three horrendous seasons. And I think a lot of times Vanderbilt Athletics and, and the and the whole university kind of perceives it as like you, we deserve to have fans come support us. And I'm like, you haven't supported fans in years. You've raised prices. You're requiring all this stuff for, for vaccinations and requiring proof of that or a negative test to come in. Uh, The, the entire stadium is not necessarily mask required, not necessarily the most friendly right now. A lot of concession stands are just closed for no reason. They're not even expecting a lot of people to come to the games. Um, They just don't have stuff they've advertised for the game. And that's in general is like all across every sport is Vanderbilt's never done anything for fans. And they've always sat there with like, well, these players have worked their asses off. They deserve for you to come out. And and I'm like, no, you have to make it an exciting product to watch. We are the customers. They're not the customers. Like I'll be at the game no matter what. And I'll go to games no matter what. They could win zero games. I'll still go. I'm in the vast minority of people that would consider them in quotations, so in quotations, Vanderbilt fans. And this is not Vanderbilt. This is every team. If Tennessee had 40 straight years of the same football performance that Vanderbilt does, that stadium would be 20% full every game. They would have maxed 20,000 people in there. That is how it works. Your fan base isn't awesome. You have the 10% diehards that will be there no matter what. And then you have a bunch of people that go because the diehards care so much. That's how it's always been. That's tight. That's Titans games. That's UT. That's Georgia. That's Vanderbilt. That's MTSU. That's Tennessee Tech University. That's a high school team. If you win, the diehards are going to bring out the other fans. And that's how it's always worked. That's how it always will work. So just keep winning. And I promise you, if you have... 12 wins at the towards the end of the sec uh regular season schedule that place is going to be packed and it's going to be an awesome environment so i i guarantee it if you just win games it's going to be awesome inside of memorial gym other than that i can't really blame the fan base for not showing up after after what they've seen the past three seasons and i still think will we're at the point where i think there's a there's a section of vanderbilt fans that didn't even watch that game this game i still think that's the case and now 
I'm, I, the diehards watched it. I think there, there are some people that watched it. I think there's people that will always watch. But getting that other section of fans back and the older generation, even some younger generation of fans, but being able to bring that older generation of fans back with winning, that's how you do it. <laughs> that's how you make Vanderbilt basketball fun again. And, I mean, that's, that's, that's all there is to it. I mean, I think I ask you that question like once every few weeks. And that's, that's the answer. same answer. Same, same answer, answer in football. It's the answer in basketball. It's yep. the answer in baseball. It's the answer there's, in everything. There's no Just nuance. Win. It's the answer in women's bowling also. Yes. And if you will have eyes, the you will maximize the eyes as quickly as possible. It's the only way to do it. I don't know why everybody overcomplicates it. I'm like, the stadium's awesome because it gets better players in to then win and bring fans in. Right. But like to have fans there has nothing to do with the stadium. If you've ever been inside of Neyland Stadium, it's awful. It's awful. All right. It it's, looks like the inside of an disgusting. industrial dump site. It smells like shit and piss and beer and puke. <laughs> and literally that and third floor bottles. concourse is just a shit show. And it's the actual vet, people always complain about Vanderbilt Stadium because it's 40,000 seats. It's small. Inside of the bowl of Neyland a, is super awesome. It's awesome. It's huge. Yeah. It's incredible. But in the actual concourse, Vanderbilt's experience has always been just as good or better. That's not why people are showing up there and not showing up here. It's because at least Tennessee has been, even though they've had their 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 downfall and, and everything we always talk about, they've been yeah. a way better product to watch for the last 40 years overall than Vanderbilt has been. And then you the games are more fun. The the environment of game day is more fun because they've been more successful the last 40 years and the university's actually cared about the fans. So that's where they're at. And I don't know. It, yeah, it just, no, you're right. You're right. I also think it's Will, just so simple and everyone overcomplicates it. it that's is. basically the rant I just went on is everybody overcomplicates it into like, what can the administration do? I'm like, they can support the coaches in winning and yeah. that's it. Yeah. You can make a light show all you want at Memorial gym, but if you're not winning games, fans are not going to come. So, uh, well, but once again, Vanderbilt gets the win 75, 74 up next is South Carolina at home. I think it's an early, uh, early tip off. If I'm not mistaken, 11 AM, I think, um, so again, that South Carolina is not, uh, they're not great. They haven't been good in a while. Uh, so that's another chance for Vanderbilt to, to start off two and O, uh, at first two and O start, I think in a while. I mean, it has to be, <laughs> it has to be since they haven't had a winning record since end of 2017 season, it would have to be a little bit further back. It, it would have to be. Uh, but well, again, I, it's, we, we could have, I think this could be a three hour episode, but I think what the main thing I learned after this game is that this team is forming an identity. They are forming a defensive identity, and their defense, when they create offense, this team is winning. And, I mean, that, that has shown up. It showed up against BYU. It, I'm sure it would have shown up against Stanford if it happened, and it, sh it showed up against at Arkansas, a team that this is a really good – it's a good Arkansas team. I mean, it's a middle of the got, pack SEC yeah. team. We said that going in that it was going to tell us a lot about where Vanderbilt is yeah. this year. And so I don't want to devalue it now because they came out and did what we hoped they would do. And now we're going to be like, well, we don't want to pump too much because before this game even happened, we said this is going to be a great measuring stick to say, is Vanderbilt finally up there where they're not in the cellar of the SEC? And I think they answered that question with three players. They're not key players, but three key bench rotation players out that yes, they are not in the, they are not a cellar dweller any longer. And I think yeah. you said it could be a three hour episode, Billy, because we're finally shifting to basketball. 
I feel like we've been talking recruiting half the episode, even during yeah. basketball season. Yeah. So we're finally shifting. We over finally to got Longwood, something to nice. talk about. We've got a little, yeah. little, little hoops action to talk about. But, but Will, I, I really think this is the biggest win of Stackhouse's era. I know this. There's recency bias here. Oh, no doubt. But I mean, this is the biggest win, and and I think you know they beat South Carolina. That that's that's a win. But beating Arkansas on the road, biggest win of the Stackhouse era. He's got to be the happiest man on earth right now. Um, and it just got to feel like, especially losing to VCU and that three-game losing streak in the non-conference, now you reel off a tournament win in, in the Diamond Head Classic. You beat Arkansas on the road. I think a lot has changed. Now, Will, there's still a lot of season left, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that the season could have spiraled. I think me and you both could have yeah. seen it going, which is why we didn't really start as early. We wanted to kind of see how it played out once they got back to full strength and kind of got the rotation going with Chapman back. But this season could have easily spiraled with that three-game yeah. losing streak. I yeah. mean, it, it it's easy to just pack it in. And now they've reeled off four wins in a row. They look like a completely different team. They just beat what is, I believe, in Ken Palm was about the 43rd or 46th team in the Ken wow. Palm ranking. So right in the middle of the pack of the SEC, which is where we said going in, this is going to drop them down because Vanderbilt, I believe, was 71st or something beforehand. Yeah. But this Arkansas team will finish 7th, 8th, ninth, 6th, somewhere in there. Yeah in the SEC and that's a good not a that's a great win for a Vanderbilt team yeah. that has had no success in conference yeah. in recent years. And it's crazy how the perception has shifted will in the Stallings era this would be a good win. This would be hey you got Oh, th we would not be this excited. No. 5 but, years ago. I yeah. mean we'd be like good win against Arkansas on to yeah. the next. <laughs> the, like the fact that it's changed that much I think that tells you how far this team has fallen but yeah well another thing is Jeff Goodman what do you, what, what do you think Jeff Goodman's doing right now? Um, I was just waiting. I wasn't even going to decide if this was actually a good win for Jerry Stackhouse and Vanderbilt until I saw his opinion first. I wanted to see how Bryce Drew actually would have won the game better. He would have not just won the game. He would have won it better than how Stackhouse is able to win the game. So if Bryce it, Drew, it, I don't know if he's tweeted about it, Billy, but I, I can't. All these opinions I've given, he, he did, they're actually he just did. given with well, the caveat of if he says he doesn't like the game, then then I'm, I'm done with it. <laughs> he, I saw a tweet. Somebody tweeted about that. I'm not going to say if I like this win or not, unless Jeff Goodman does. But, um, <laughs> but well, an, another another thing about that is that um, he actually said, awful Arkansas just lost at home to Vanderbilt awful lost you're out of Arkansas, my rankings Arkansas you're out of yeah. my power rankings good luck with that so well 75 74 up next South I'm Carolina pretty sure I'm blocked Saturday. so I don't you'll have to send that DM Billy. I'll, I'll send that I'll <laughs> yeah. take I'll he'll block me Gary after. Stackhouse did unblock me I will say he, wow, he blocked me previously he's unblocked me now now he's actually replied to one of my tweets that's a so. big win thank you thank you coach Stuck. I thank you so much <laughs> That's a big win. A I don't up. take back the tweets that got me blocked, but I appreciate you unblocking. <laughs> he's gonna, he's gonna block you again after hearing that. No, he did. We're, we're, I, I've been, I've been as big a supporter of Stack as I think. There's been some mixed reviews, but I think for the most part, he's been probably the coach we've been most supportive of throughout his entire tenure the during controversy. Times. I mean, we were much, like we did waver, and I'm not saying we've been 100% supportive. But like compared to the compared to our opinions of Derek Mason and compared to Bryce Drew and compared to, I think I, I've seen that Stack has been dealt a really bad hand. Yeah, and he's like, and and there's been, a point that you get to. Coaster. It's it's like you're in year three, and that's when people are like, you have to make your jump. And I'm like, he's still been missing his second best player the entire exactly. season, and just got back his third or fourth best player five games in yeah i'm like he's still not at full Slow health down. and so Slow it's down. so hard to evaluate because 
I mean, I, it's one of those, like with Clark Lee's roster, it's, yeah, did he make mistakes? But you could put any coach in the country, they're going to win basically the same number of games. Yeah. Same thing with Stackhouse. You could put the best coach in the country. You could you could trade places with Musselman, and they pretty much have the same record. Yeah. And I think Stack may have done better with that Arkansas team. But Musselman certainly wouldn't have won more games than Stack did with the rosters yeah. he's had. Yeah. So and also, maybe Stack is finally moving forward and maybe can get any of these rumors of being in the hot seat, which are just stupid. Finally, yeah, finally yeah, off people's stupid, minds, especially with the three, four stars coming in. I mean, you could say four, just four stupid. stars. So, uh, but will my perception of him has changed so much. I mean, I've been down on him. I've been pretty high on him. So we'll see if he can, he, he can, has uh, grown kind of, and matured. Like you said, has, as much has. as, as much as the team has, it's kind of crazy to see how he's kind of grown into the role. You don't yeah. see him going on the uh, Twitter tirades near as yeah. much as he used to and or anything seen, like that. You haven't seen him as, get ejected yet either and i think that would be a, po- a, a positive if, if he uh survives not getting ejected and there were some calls there that i think he last year or two years ago he, he might have uh he might have fest uh, fest over a little bit argued over a little bit but uh but well nonetheless huge win just a massive win for vanderbilt and uh we'll see if they can keep it going uh but that's pretty much it we, that's uh that's it for the door port uh we were gonna do twitter spaces uh, this was immediate live reaction late night might be the latest we've ever stopped recording, but, uh, but boy, we, we got it done and, and Vanderbilt got it done as well. 75, 74 over Arkansas. That does it. You've been listening to episode 135 of the door report powered by a Laco fine wood floors.